3: Terms and
4: conditions apply. I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Bank Headlines for Tuesday. We had, uh, I tell you, that Elite Eight just throws you. That. <laughs> it's like Elite Eight on a Tuesday, but it's true. And we had two Final Four teams decided, Houston and Baylor, two to be decided tonight. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth cover and more. You're listening
3: to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is straight out of Vegas, with the voice of Vegas. Your host, R.J.
4: Bell. I
0: and more.
3: The pregame show America has always wanted. I
4: From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Tuesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great nation. Unexpectedly, Tallahassee's favorite son, Steve Fezzik in studio. (laughs) Sports bettors listen for the money sports fans to know more than their bodies. So, Fez, how are you feeling? A lot of people were uh, very surprised that you weren't here on Monday. And then they connected the dots and they said, huh, hmm, Florida State, not so good. You know, it's one thing to be wrong.
5: It's another thing to just be egregiously wrong. And you warned me, I was on Florida State, and you're like, Fez, Michigan. I didn't warn
4: you. I, I beat you for $400. You beat me
5: like a drum here. And you're like, hey, Michigan's carrying the Big Ten torch. They're all in. They've been told, hey, your conference is no good. And it played out exactly as you predicted. Boy, livers, no livers, doesn't matter, fried liver. Michigan absolutely was the better team from start to finish. And I, I got to be honest, this is one 10 minutes in, I'm like... In R J Bell we trust.
4: Well, I, I tell you, it was an example where and it, it's why sports betting is so difficult, but also why it's so exhilarating. I've been doing this pretty much every day since I was fourteen, and that's the truth. Statute of limitations is up, let's not be concerned. And <laughs> and I still I probably have learned more in the last year than I had in any year. Uh, One, just because, in general, the analytics uh, revolution has, has made things even more complicated in a way, but more interesting, where there's all these math guys coming in with different ideas. That makes sports betting awesome, and I think sports also. But here's the thing about sports and the difference with sports betting. With sports, if you're right, you're right. If you say Tom Brady is the GOAT. That's, it. that's all you got to know, right? Meaning if you're talking about how great Brady is. But if you're saying, well, how great is Brady relative to this point spread or this way to handicap it where it's accounting for everything that's known, right? And it's easy to say. And to me, what the average sports fan felt was Big Ten stinks. Pac-12, good. That that was the takeaway from the beginning, Of the tournament. The question was Did the Pac 12 exceed expectations more or less than the adjustments that were being made? Mm -hmm. And did the Big Ten fall short more or less than the adjustments being made? In the case of the Michigan game against Florida State, I think the fact that Michigan was downgraded so much, we adjusted, we we estimated about 3 points. Yes. That that it would have been the line would have been 6 then it was 3 then it actually kept dropping against Florida State for Michigan and to me it felt like too much. So really you were right as a sports fan, you were right, Big 10 underperformed. It was meaningful. As a sports batter, you probably overestimated how much the adjustment should have been, I think, in hindsight,
5: oh no doubt at all, and like i said it it's humbling this business can be humbling when you like a pick and then
4: it's absolutely the wrong side. I don't often have that experience, though <laughs> maybe one day i'm I'm pretty sure life's going to humble you one day, no doubt, no doubt i'm r j Vo straight out of Vegas, so let's look back at what we saw, and number one takeaway, dealer's choice. The elite eight round in which we had Houston advance and Baylor advance.
5: You know, it'd be easy to say, "Hey, Houston didn't cover and Baylor did," but here's two eight-point favorites, and I got to say, this was just complete randomness, RJ, in terms of whether these favorites were going to cover or not in the final minute of the end game.
4: So what you're saying is, in, in in that line around seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, those are some of the most key numbers in all of sports batting. Now, explain why that is. It's because when a team gets... And and specifically in basketball games. Right, because if a team is down less than seven, they're going to foul, typically, to the absolute bitter end trying to catch up. Well, until they get... No, the reason seven, as you know, is important is that's three possessions. Yes. Six is two shots. Seven is three shots. And then at a certain point, how much time's left? How many buckets do we have to pick up effectively? Once it gets to seven and what... Less than 30 seconds, they quit fouling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that. And and again, in tournament games, they tend to foul more because it's one and done. The season's over. You want to kind of fight more as you're going down. But in general, if you're getting four and a half, plus four and a half, let's say, is so much less attractive than getting seven and a half. Even though you'd always rather have three extra points. Those three points are like the most valuable three. Exactly right, because if you're getting four and a half and you're down
5: four, you're like, oh, I am in so or much if you, trouble if you're down here. Down
4: two with four, yeah, yeah with exactly.
5: Yeah. Whereas if you're getting seven and a half and you're down, you know, seven, you're like, I, I'm winning right well, here. I'm well, better off.
4: Yeah, and again, teams sometimes make seemingly irrational decisions mm-hmm. on when to foul. So you, your point would be, and this is something we've talked about doing in the NFL. And we did a little bit of it recently. McKenzie and Pregame.com research did some real interesting stuff where it was the fourth quarter, and what was the win percentage chance at each point during that fourth quarter? You weighed it more towards the end and say, well, what was this team's win share was a phrase Mm -hmm. I think we were using with that. And we're going to do a lot more of that this football season. But I, I think it's a situation in basketball where if you said, is this a cover or is this a half a cover in the, meaning that they could have went either way a coin flip though you only get paid on covers you're saying in both these games it was a half there was no real distinct that no one can say oh i had bail or i was right Right, well, Arkansas. I was wrong. No, you're saying, in general, all four sides of the two games were about equally correct, and it was random the way it felt. Exactly right. So, no
5: real significant adjustments to be made for any of these four teams going forward.
4: That's Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. OK, so let's dig a little bit into the games themselves here. So, Houston, 67. Oregon State, 61. Now, again, Houston won... Despite poor shooting. Now, Houston entered the tournament as the number one three point shooting team in the country, number one. And they were 32% in this game. Oregon State, which had entered the game winning six straight, straight up as an underdog, there were six games. They were a two to one dog in every game, at least two to one or more. They won them all. A dollar would have won you over 3000 on Oregon State to win all six of those games if you just had let it ride. Think about it. 100 would have won you 300,000. $100, you win the first game, you take those results, bet the second game, take those, bet the third, you know, let it ride. So th- this team has been on an amazing run Oregon State. They still covered this game, but they shot 47% on field goals, Houston only 32, and they still needed, like you said, needed a shot late. And just to be clear is that Houston 32% is obviously not good at all, And but I did misspeak on one thing. Baylor did enter as the best three-point shooting team. But Houston, in this specific game, shot very poorly. And it was a situation where they still were able to win the game. Not cover, but win the game. I always like that. I guess the real takeaway here, and anytime you have too many numbers, it can get confusing. The real takeaway here is Houston didn't shoot well, but they won. The other team shot well, Oregon State, but they lost. That means Houston has other things that helps them.
5: Yeah. And if you had told me one stat only that Houston was only going to shoot 32% and their opponent 47%, and you said, who do I want to bet to win the game? I'd say, oh, I want Oregon State, clearly. So, the fact that Houston was still able to win fairly comfortably in the game. Uh, I know the final score was six. Oregon State hit a three at the buzzer. The, I think that's impressive by Houston.
4: I agree. I agree. And in general, it's like turnovers in football is a team that wins the turnover battle. Just by one turnover, two, whatever, they win it. They have you know, a better turnover situation than their opponent. They cover the spread nearly 80% of the time. So, 77%. So, it, almost nothing else matters in the long run other than turnovers. In basketball, college basketball, it's usually three-point shooting. If one team hits 50 percent, the other team hits 30, it's almost like, what a, you can't do enough in the other facets of the game to make up for, it. right? So we always want, and that's why the one and done is so tough, because in the NBA, it's four out of seven to advance, and it's really hard uh, for the lesser team to win a series. And it rarely happens. Here it's one cold shooting night, and it's over. And still, Houston had a 32% cold shooting night, but it wasn't over for him. Got to give him a lot of credit. Any closing thoughts on Houston-Oregon State?
5: Just that Houston has made the Final Four, and they have really basically played nobody. They beat four teams that were seeded 10 or worse to get to the Final Four. This, so, this has been the easiest... But
4: here's the thing, though. Oregon State winning six straight games as a dog was that team that they play. Forget the number beside them. Was that team really a weak team?
5: Boy, that's a great point because they're they're a 12 seed. But in retrospect, if we were going to reseed Oregon State, we would make them a much better team.
4: Yeah, yeah, and but I think so to some degree. But Ken Palm, when because you know, it's always the thing, the season. What matters? The season. Oregon State season was uh, average. Sure. Oregon State State's most recent games were amazing. So which one is true? That's often one of the questions. But your point is, at least by numbers seeding, this has been a very easy path. Yes. Okay, that's interesting. And and I think to some degree you got to unless you think a team's way misseeded, you you know you got to trust. We're well, looking at the run. Who was the best team they played? I mean, I get. I get let's do this. We'll take our first break. And we'll say, hey, Houston, impressive they've gotten here. But who was the best team they've played? And was that good enough for us to be overly impressed? Then we're going to look at Baylor, Arkansas. And then we're going to talk about some NFL Jimmy G talk. We got Fez. He loves him. We are straight out of Vegas when we come back.
0: Straight out of Vegas!
3: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed? Do you notice you're losing a little bit of hair? you shedding a little bit? Well, if you're noticing a little less hair on your head and you're checking your hairline all the time, you got to check out Nutrafol. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach.
1: Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, dot com, promo code CR show That's Nutrafol.com, promo code CR show.
2: I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports.
1: up to 30% off your stay with code CRSHOW. That's good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Go book your stay at graduatehotels.com. I disagree
0: with an I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words, then the heavens
1: gonna fall.
4: I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Steve Fezzik joins Tallahassee's favorite son, Jonas, with the day off. <laughs> uh I was watching that Michigan and I, and we'll be pre- previewing here at 6:50 or a little before 6:50. That's when we do better than 50% for you Steve 6:50. <laughs> you following? Yes. All right. <laughs> it's a great day to join. This is the fastest-growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. And we promise to keep working extra hard to provide you value, to make you smarter. Right here on the Strip in Vegas, it's 84 degrees. The neon is chugging along. Okay, so when we look at and we're wrapping up the Houston-Oregon State, Oregon State had won six straight as an underdog every time. They didn't win this one, but they covered this one, but it was kind of a coin flip at the end. They did cover, though, Oregon State, but they're eliminated question is how good's Houston you're saying hey Houston hasn't beaten anyone that isn't a double digit seed meaning maybe the path was easy as you look at the teams do you agree with that
5: yes in fact I can't tell what the best team they played Rutgers Syracuse Oregon State you know I think I'd make Syracuse the best team that they've beaten but still certainly not a top 30 team
4: So Syracuse is a a quirky team. Against some teams, they're going to cause them a lot of trouble. Other teams, not so much. So I agree that that's the most impressive name. I don't know enough about X's and O's in college basketball to say, was that a good matchup for him? But boy, it seemed like... That it Houston had won that one pretty easily
5: yeah you know and it one thing it was
4: 2020
5: at towards the end of the first half so Houston did have trouble with that Syracuse zone early and then once they got used to it Houston absolutely dominated
4: that brings up an interesting point is for next you know Bayheim is if you do like Syracuse in the tournaments and again we put it in our pocket for next year maybe the first half's the bat
5: Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. The acclimation period to get used to that
4: Syracuse defense. Acclimation period. That's pretty strong. Steve Fezzik, I'm RJ (laughs) Val. Okay. Baylor, Arkansas. Baylor 81, Arkansas 72. This cover again went down to the wire. The line yesterday was eight. And yeah, if they they get there, I'm going to do this in my head. They (laughs) won by nine, so they covered. (laughs) They did. But again, coin flip.
5: Exactly right.
4: Now, we talked about Baylor three-point shooting entered the game or entered the tournament as the number one three-point shooting team in the country, 53%, 8 out of 15. They were 3 out of 19 the prior game. We mentioned this in the last segment yesterday. Baylor was 3 out of 19, and they still won. And now they are 8 out of 15 over 50%, and they won and covered. Any other uh, takeaways from the Arkansas Baylor?
5: Certainly, with Baylor shooting as well as they did from three, it's kind of surprising they're only able to win that game by nine. If anything, I would downgrade Baylor slightly.
4: But if they're a really good shooting team to start with, it's I, I don't think it can be that simple is you can't just say, well, they're forty two percent, they hit fifty three percent, let's assume they hit forty two percent and how do you adjust I mean, I'm not sure that's a bad way broadly to do it, but you know, they now now here's the other thing that makes it so difficult. Arkansas committed fifteen turnovers. Now does that mean oh, Baylor was given the game, or does that mean that Baylor caused the turnovers? Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing is, this is not science. Sports betting is art. It's not science. I'm RJ Bell, straight out of Vegas. AutoZone has more ways for you to start your job, your way. That means getting what you need fast. Some jobs can't wait. That's why AutoZone offers free same-day store pickup. Free next-day delivery is available on over 100,000 parts. Visit AutoZone.com today to start your job fast. Get in the zone, AutoZone. You know, maybe we'll have you read the next one, Steve. No, we don't Mm -hmm. want to do that. We like AutoZone. We're not (laughs) going to do that. We're straight out of Vegas. All right. The early line in the Final Four, this one surprised me. It really did. Is... If you have a one versus a two, and that's what we have here with Baylor against Houston. And we're going to have to talk about what we're going to need to win our over 10.5 bet on the sum of the final four seeds, which looks so, so sweet. Now, not so much. And it happens like that sometimes. These are the kind of spots, though, I, I do got a feeling we're going to win it. Because if I was on the other side of it, I know it'd be like, oh, (laughs) we had a horrible bet. And then it's like, oh, look, if this happens and this (laughs) happens, we'll be okay. Typically, some of that will happen, then it doesn't at the end. So we'll see. But one versus two, you would think, okay, was the one like an all-time one? Was it the clear number one seed of the whole tournament? Is that a team that you could make the case – uh, you know, or maybe objectively, do they have the best title wads? No. So if you're saying you have a lesser number one seed against the number two, typically I think the line's going to be like two and a half or three. you know, maybe less, but you know, the fact that in this game, it's five, and it's Baylor as a five-point favorite, that seems high to me. That seems to be disrespecting Houston.
5: Yeah, I agree. I love your analysis on this because just the big picture, like you said, Baylor's an average number 1 seed. Illinois probably better coming into the tournament, certainly Gonzaga a lot better. Now look at Houston as a number 2 seed. Are they a bad number 2 seed? No. I'd stack them up against Alabama, Ohio State, Iowa. Oh, well, there's one left. <laughs> throw them, Yeah, throw a blanket over all those teams and you could great point. You could make the case, "Hey, you know what? Houston might be the best of all the number 2 seeds based upon what we've seen so far." Advantage Houston plus the five.
4: I think so. I think so. And again, I haven't dug in totally. I'm not going to make it official yet. I had an observation that was interesting, I think. And this is where we need the smartest audience in radio, sports radio, I think for sure. And that's, you know, I feel strongly about that. They need to listen closely because as I shift gears, I want to talk about the Women's tournament, a little bit. Now, I'm a finance guy. I'm a math guy. I'm an objective dollars and cents guy. We know what the viewership In fact, Mackenzie in research, see if you can get, like, let's say the NCAA finals last year in women's basketball versus men's, like just some objective measure of the interest level. And in betting, I think it's probably even more pronounced. That you know, the men's tournament and the interest in the men's game is significantly bigger. Doesn't mean it's better. Doesn't mean I mean we can but we know that in a calmer sense it's it's so much bigger. And it was so fascinating. I was watching, and you know, over my Danish or what I don't eat Danishes. I like Danishes, I just don't eat them. I was watching uh, Get Up this morning, and they gave and, and they started with all NFL talk. I'm like you know, I didn't sleep through the day, did I? You know, it even it's like it seems weird. It's like the NCAA tournament. And I get it is ESPN doesn't cover or doesn't have the rights to it, right? Mm-hmm. But they do have the rights to the women's tournament. And they said in a big dispute, uh, disputed call in college basketball was like the tease. I'm like, oh, I didn't notice anything that disputed, you know. And they come, and they, before they mention any a word about the NCAA tournament, they were talking about the women's tournament. There was a foul call at the end of the game, and uh, UConn benefited from it, and there was a big dispute about it. And Baylor, and I, I guess when you saw Bay, they kind of looked like they used it to say Baylor in a way. It's like, oh, a disputed call, and Baylor's involved, right? Mm. And... <laughs> It just strikes me not so much does the women's game get to deserve mention because it obviously does. Like To whatever degree there's interest in it, it should be mentioned. And there's enough to mention it when you're getting to the end of the tournament and all that for sure. But the idea that you would talk about it before you talked about the men's tournament and just coincidentally... They have the rights to one of them mm-hmm. and not the other one. And to me, it's, it's such a fascinating question. And we've seen it before. I don't remember if it was hockey or... And so I'm not going to say anything too specific, but there's been various times if you said, okay, does ESPN cover or have the broadcast rights to a sport? And then how much do they cover it? Because what you'll see is... When the rights change and moves away from them, the coverage goes down. Sure. And in newspapers it was always the old Chinese wall, the idea of you've got editorial slash news, and then you've got advertising. And if the local pizza shop buys an ad in your newspaper, but then there's a food poisoning outbreak at the pizza shop, does the newspaper cover it any differently? That's always been the great debate, right? Because if they do, then they're not a news organization. You can't trust them, right? And so let's set a little context here. The men's finals in 2019 had 11 million viewers Virginia against Texas Tech. I'm not sure I watched that game. No, <laughs> all right. The women's the same year. Baylor against Notre Dame. Obviously, Notre Dame, especially a big draw. Three million. So I would. I'm surprised. You know, not even four x. I'm I would, shocked
5: by those numbers. Yeah. That, that, that popularity. Sure? I want to see what the Sweet 16 games would
4: look like. Well, I think it'd be more like 20 to one. You're saying just because it's the final yeah. and it's kind of a showcase night. That's right. You know, he's making a good point. Maybe dig in a little bit, McKenzie, see if you can find anything out. But even a 4X, in fact, I don't believe that. 4X, that's it? So that means, in theory, we should be talking about, if we're just letting the ratings dictate, which is some degree you got to, if no one's watching something, how can you talk? I mean, you know, if I go and beat you in basketball right now, we might talk about it, but I mean... <laughs> If there's a game going on right out the window, I'm not going to be <laughs> talking about it from other people. But either way, it does bring up, and I'm not being hard on ESPN. I think this is something all news organizations deal with. And that's something that ESPN is a news organization. It is fascinating, though, how one of the things that, from what I hear, we'll call this allegedly, that in the negotiations with the leagues or whatever, and in the NFL this isn't going to be the case, but imagine you're a soccer league and you're negotiating a deal with ESPN potentially to be on Plus or to be on whatever. You could imagine a situation, or at least I've heard, in which they say, well, hey, you know, if you're part of the ESPN family, we're going to you know, have you covered more, do more profiles and right. stuff. And you know what? It seems human. Like, I almost don't fully understand how it wouldn't be the case. But on the other hand, when you really think about it, wow, that's a little like it feels off that the business side of it dictates the news side. But I thought that was interesting. And pretty rare you're going to be talking about the women's tournament before the men's when they both had played the night before. I'm RJ Bell, straight out of Vegas, with Steve Fezzik in studio. Now, we're going to preview these games... In the last segment at 6.50, let's talk a little NFL first. So you've had a few days to digest the 49ers trade, the aftermath. What's your big takeaway right now?
5: You know, I still can't get over the fact that the media doesn't know who the Niners are going to take at quarterback.
4: Are there really? What do you the... mean the media doesn't know? How, how how would the media? The question is, do the 49ers know? Yes, I mean, how can you what do trade? Yes, which one are you saying? Well,
5: how can if you're the Forty ers when there's a clear cut? best quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, and then a clear-cut second-best quarterback in Zach Wilson. How can you mortgage your future and trade away all these number 1s to get the third-best guy when there's no clear-cut third-best guy in the draft? It doesn't make any sense to me.
4: You think mortgages or futures is the right phrase? Let me ask you this. Let's say the 49ers had that pick taken from them in some penalty. The third pick, they no longer have. But the trade still goes through. What's the over under for wins for the 49ers the next three seasons? So, if they went 8 and 8 all three seasons, well, I guess now they're 17. But using the 16 <laughs> for a second, though that was official today, it's gone to 17. Yes. Miami Dolphins in 72, they, they actually did a champagne toast. Just on that, <laughs> because now it's even harder to go undefeated. <laughs> yeah, you get it. I do. I told you. One more minute. game, yeah. Did you feel bad? Mackenzie was laughing instantly, but you were like non thinking, then your eyes lit up. You go, oh, yeah. Yale versus Northwestern. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, anyway, is. I would bet, a huge bet, that the 49ers would win 50% or more of their games in the next three years, even if that third pick was taken from them. Would you bet? You are correct. So, how's their future being more? Um, All right, that their future is
5: not as rosy as it would have been.
4: Well, yeah. Well, that's the case no matter what. Meaning, if if they lose a seventh-round pick. I think your point is, they made a huge investment. Yes. Right? So, the question becomes... How could they make that investment not knowing who they're picking? How do we know they don't know who they're picking? Like, that's what we're conflating here, though. What do the 49ers know? Now, listen, if somehow we knew someone that knew Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> maybe. Oh, wait, Mackenzie, you know Kyle, don't you? I do. What's your relationship? Uh, first cousins. Okay. So here's the question. I'm gonna be listening to trending now, I, and I'm certainly gonna announce who's trending now. So, some people might say, "I, well, how would R.J. know?" And I'd say, "Well, listen, as the host, when Jonas isn't here, he would know for sure, right? And if he wasn't, if he didn't know, the, the, you know, a producer would say it in his ear for sure. So, but here's the question: is 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 there a way? Is there a way? To make, not make McKenzie. Is there a way to present it to McKenzie that he felt like the stakes were high if he could go, cow who do you think? You know, like something like that. Is there a way to do that that wouldn't break any of the laws? Mm. All right. So ponder that. Be
3: sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
4: You know how you're not, so, I mean, you only you got one kid, right, Fez? But if you had two, That'd be interesting because you your boy Johnny just turned 10, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's the cats meow to you. Like, 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 probably unlike I've ever seen. If you had another kid, and how would you go about that? Like, would you say, No, I love them both the same, or would you just admit, no, Johnny, I like Johnny better?
5: Johnny's gonna be number one. He's Sorry.
4: gonna be <laughs> <laughs> so that means there's no chance of a second kid. It's really effectively what you're saying right now. All right, I can relate. <laughs> We're straight out of Vegas. So did you think of anything, any way we because let's be honest, if we could break that story, it'd be humongous. And it'd be like, you know, insider's report. And then it's like, coincidentally, McKenzie, oh, maybe that's the trick with Mackenzie. He loves attention, almost like a. Like a middle child. he loves attention. I mean, here's a guy because of his relationship, family relationship with the Shanahans, was a what was your role with Washington? PR intern. He was a PR intern. I said, you know, guy went to Yale, so he's you know summer after Yale, whatever, he's there. And they sit him down and they look him in the eye, and they say, <laughs> "There's only one rule, one rule you can't break. You can't do any media." Without our express permission, he looks. He goes, "Yes, sir. I understand." That evening, he went on a podcast. <laughs> first night. The first night, <laughs> he was he was reassigned by noon the next day. Yep. True story.
2: One hundred percent.
4: So now I think we've got our answer. How do we? How do we get him to say, uh, "Uncle, oh, cousin Kyle, what do you think?" You know, how do we get that? is just say that it will give him direct attribution. That means Mackenzie Rivers would be all over the internet. I mean, it's like he dreamt this one time. It'd be in the New York Times. Pro- Mackenzie Rivers would be in the New York Times probably. So maybe it's not we have to threaten him with a negative. We just got to let him see the light on what the positive could be. Thoughts, Mackenzie? I'm for it. <laughs> <laughs> no one has any doubt. All right. <laughs> when we come back, so tune in. When we come back, there's two games tonight that's going to decide the Final Four. Last two teams, we're going to break them down and have a pick on one of them. And that's when we come back on Straight Out Vegas.
0: Straight out of Vegas!
4: Fox
3: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
2: So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening.
4: J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas out today. Steve Fezzik in studio. We're straight out of Vegas. Alright, we're going to preview the Elite 8 matchups, two tonight. One goes at 7:15, and that's the Zags favored by 8.5 against USC. Colin Cowherd right here on FSR made the point hey, this is a good matchup for USC or maybe the way to say it, bad matchup for the Zags, what's your thoughts on the game, Faz?
5: Yeah, I would look towards USC. I like USC in this
4: game. So, you, this is a battable game to you.
5: Absolutely. And if you look at what USC has done, how impressive have their results in the tournament been? Now, the Pac-12's been really good in general. But USC, they just didn't beat the number 3 seed, Kansas. They beat Kansas by over 30 points. Completely annihilated Kansas Then the game after. They're playing Oregon, and I watched that game. Oregon was never in that game. USC was completely dominant, got up 20. This USC team has the athletes to compete with Gonzaga. They've got the big men inside to stop that Gonzaga points in the paint. I like USC. I think it's going to be a close game.
4: Now, USC, they were a playing game, weren't they? They were actually the sixth
5: seed. It was UCLA that was the Oh, OK. Game. Yeah.
4: So, you, uh, thank you. Is But if you have the athletes to match up with the best team in the country and you're a 6 seed what wh- why i guess is the question. i'm was it a matter of like we look back at Baylor and we could say well they had a covid you know 20 day hiatus after they started a little slow like you can explain away this i always want to hear like if there's a team physically that should be at a certain level but they don't achieve it. The question is, why? Do you have any sense of that? Two senses. One is with all the COVID restrictions,
5: it was really hard just to go to meetings and practice on the West Coast in Cal California. So I
4: think that. So you're saying that's it. Now this is fascinating. Wow, I've been hearing people racking their brains trying to figure out why the Pac-12 has done so well in the tournament. What you're saying is, in California, where the restrictions around COVID were more severe that the season didn't allow for evolution or growth. There was friction around it. It was more difficult to grow, and thus maybe these Pac-12 teams are maturing later and we're not seeing it in the numbers It's the and and here being in this quasi bubble, if anything, this is almost like a training camp. They might be getting better even as the tournament goes on, exactly right. So, even
5: playing field for all the teams, but it wasn't an even playing field for most of the year, and that's why you can make the case all these Pac 12 teams getting better.
4: Now, where is that? You be honest, who or is that some other place you heard this? I did hear it someplace else, but I love it. I, I mean, I had not heard. Mackenzie, did you heard that? We've been racking our brains here. I have I mean, heard that. I think all, every show that's trying to think about it has. Now, let's repeat that. This is it, because that makes me like USC even more, is, okay, everyone's got COVID restrictions across the country. Some are more strict than others. So, as we went from December, January, February, the ability for the Pac-12 teams to grow as a team was hindered relative to places with less restrictions. Not saying it's right or wrong, not saying California, whatever. We're saying that's the reality. Now, as the season progressed and other teams plateaued, USC, UCLA, those types kept trending upwards. And maybe you could make the case, being there in in almost like a boot camp situation in Indiana... Was another example of how they probably have been getting better even throughout the tournament.
5: Yes, absolutely. And, and the players' attitudes, are like, wow, this is so great. It's so easy compared to what we've had to put up with all year long.
4: Oh, so easy. It, it's not, dude, You you never fail. It's, <laughs> it, I mean, really, it, it's not what's easy. Well, just scheduling meetings and, okay, so and practices. Not, so it's not about easy. It's about that there's a lack of friction. There's a, I guess what I'm saying when I think of easy, I'm thinking I'm not doing anything. Ah, uh, fair right? enough. Yeah. If you're saying, it, it I've, I don't think people say it's easy to work hard, right? Boy, it's so it's easy to work hard is what you're saying, right? So that throws you, I think, a little bit. But you want to? We can say it one more time and see if we can abstract it away, if you want. No. You good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> But at least I feel, well, you don't step only on my points, right? (laughs) I like, well, we got Michigan, UCLA. I kind of like UCLA here. I think Michigan had their stand. They took a real deep breath. They're going to play hard, no doubt. But I do think it was a fever pitch against Florida State, 40 seconds. What's your take on this game?
5: I'm surprised by the spread of Michigan laying 6.5. Think about it. They're only laying 1.5 against Florida oh, State. Oh, I know. I know. And you cr- crushed me on that game. And now Michigan's laying 5 more points. Do we really think is 5 points worse than Florida State? I don't. I think the value on UCLA.
4: In honor of Fez, I'm going to actually make it official. Now, these are going to be what I call pizza bets. Now, what's a pizza bet? A pizza bet is enough where if you win... You could buy pizza from it. We all decided maybe how much that amount is, but it's like one of those funds amount, right? So if you make 50000 a year, I'd say that's like a maybe a $30 bet. It matters, but it's not going to change your life. I'm going to go UCLA plus the points. I'm going to go USC plus the points. And remember, double-digit seeds in the Elite Eight. Nine, three and one against the spread since 1987. Nine, three, and one. So if they do get to this point, the market tends to say, oh, that runs over. They're done. But they don't win all the time, but they tend to cover. So thank you, Steve Fezzik. Thanks to the team at FSR. And tomorrow we should have Jonas back. We're not positive, but we're looking forward to it. We brought you the odds. Coming up next, the odd couple.
0: Vegas!